This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Merry Christmas, everybody. Man, this is my favorite time of the year. I'm so excited about Christmas. And it's not the getting together with family, although I love getting together with family. It's not the food, although I, I really love the food, and it's not even the presents, although I love to give the presents. I really like to get the presents. It's none of that. It's, it's what we just sang. God, and maybe you're here and you don't believe this. You haven't experienced this to be true, but you're here, which means that you're open to it. And I would say this, God put on flesh and came to earth to, to be with us, to dwell with us. That, that word Emmanuel means God is, is with us. He's here, and we celebrate that in that's why I love Christmas, because it's the time that we remember that some 2,000 years ago, human history changed forever because God, God, the, the capital G, God of the universe, who, who spoke and made all this, he came here in the form of a baby, and he lived a perfect life, and then uh, he gave himself up for us. And it's just mind-blowing. We could sit and think about it forever, and the more we experience God, the more that Christmas just becomes this incredibly impactful time. So thanks for joining us tonight. If we haven't met yet, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited that we get to continue on this journey that we started last week in this series that we're calling Christmas Stories. And in Christmas Stories, what we're trying to do is reimagine, redream, revision those beautiful, wonderful old stories that we read about when we were kids growing up, if you grew up in church, that we read about growing up in church. They're wonderful stories, but the problem is if we heard them year after year after year, they become this distant, disconnected things that we know about. These stories of Jesus' birth and angels and Mary and Joseph and this whole thing. What we're trying to do is revision it and say, you know what? Those people were real people. Mary, Joseph, we're going to look at a guy named Zach today and his wife Elizabeth. They were real people with real issues, real problems, real hopes, real dreams. And what we want to do is we want to so immerse ourselves in their story and get lost in their story. And in that, find our story. So last week we talked about family because at the holidays, family's a big deal. And if you missed it, you should get online and listen to it. We talked about the reality that the generations that came before us, shape us and affect us and impact us in some really good ways and in some not-so-good ways. And we talked about what to do with the not-so-good things and then how to embrace the really good things, the legacy that our family has left for us. And today I want to talk about miracles. Miracles. Now, you don't have to be a religious person to, at some point in your life, have probably believed in miracles at some level. My guess is uh, that when you were a kid— no one had to try to convince you that reindeers could fly. You just believed they could fly because your parents said, listen, they fly, they pull a sleigh, that sleigh has presents for you. And so you said, wow, reindeer can fly because you're predisposed to believe in miracles. No one had to convince you that Santa could get all around the world in one night, break into your house, eat your food, and then leave you a present. No one had to convince you of that. Why? Because you, you're predisposed to believe. When that kid in second or third grade tried to convince you otherwise, the burden of proof was on him, that little jerk. It wasn't on Santa. Of course, Santa is real. Why is that? Do you ever wonder why we're predisposed, whether you were raised in church or not, why we're predisposed to believe in miracles? I think the reason that we're predisposed to believe in miracles is because uh, the Bible says we were created in God's image like his thumbprint was put right onto us, and our God is a, a miracle-working God. 
the Bible is full of the miraculous, the divine, these miracles happening over and over. Some huge miracles, like God speaking and the world coming into existence. Some small miracles, some intimate miracles happening to one person at one point. See, God is a miracle-working God, and we were created in His image. And I think that's why, somewhere deep inside of us, we've always believed in miracles. We've always wanted to believe in miracles. And the Christmas stories are stories of miracles. Think about it. God comes to a woman through an angel and says, listen, you're going to give birth, but you're not going to uh, have, have intercourse. You're not going to do the thing that most people do to have birth. It's going to be immaculate. That's a miracle. She goes to her fiance and says, hey, I'm pregnant, but I didn't do it the way that most people do it. He believes her. That's a miracle. Uh, right? Stars are guiding people through the world, and they're getting to a specific place at a specific time. That's a miracle. God becomes a human. That's a miracle. See, the Christmas story is full, full, full of miracles, which has to make us ask the question, if miracles happened then, 2,000 years ago, do miracles happen now? And if they do happen now, what do they look like? What's my role in them? How does that all work? And I would say this, miracles— are often unseen, but I really believe, and I think that you would say this too as we explore this topic a little more, miracles are happening all the time. We just don't always see it. We, we call it coincidences. We say, that was a near miss. You know, I was driving down the road, and it was raining, and I almost crashed. Oh man, I missed. That was a near miss. Or, oh, that was really interesting. I was thinking about that person, or I was praying about that thing, and, and then they were just there. What a coincidence. And I say, you know what? The more I pray, the more coincidences just seem to keep happening. Why? Because God's a miracle-working God. We just don't always see it. Tuesday night, I had a, an interesting miracle of sorts happen. Uh, we were watching the sequel to the Christmas Shoes movie. So I had just got done crying, because that's what I do when I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. I cry. And I just got done crying. Maria's wrapping presents, because it was the end of November, and she's very organized. And uh, I got up to use the restroom. And without getting graphic, I was standing and using the restroom, and all of a sudden— I don't, I don't feel so good. I feel a little dizzy. And I put my hand out to the wall, and the next thing I knew, she was standing over me screaming, Kevin, Kevin, wake up, wake up. Well, apparently, I had just passed out. I mean, passed out cold. I don't know what happened, but I guess when I passed out, I went head first onto the top of the toilet, smacked my head, fell down to the side, and was passed out for about 45 seconds. Long story short, woke up, threw up, passed out three or four more times. For those of you who are worriers or moms or will-be moms or just are practicing, don't worry. I'm fine. They ran a bunch of tests. You, don't, you can't come up afterwards, but you don't need to. I'm fine. Here's the deal. Most people look at that and say, that's not a miracle. That's a really bad night. That's what you get for watching Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, amen. But listen, I think it is a miracle. And if you saw our downstairs half bath, you would think it's a miracle too. It's about this big, and there's no possible way I could have fallen without smacking my head and just splitting it wide open. Porcelain and my skin do not work well together. Usually porcelain wins if I'm going face first into it. But I fell somehow, and I don't know how because I was passed out, and the only way I could where I slid in between about a six-inch spot between the, uh, the toilet and the wall, and was just kind of slowly rested my way down there for a nice little nap. See, miracles happen all the time. We just don't think they're miracles. We think that's bad luck. He smacked his head. He passed out. I think it's really good luck because I have all my teeth. I got the money maker intact. We're doing good. Doesn't make much money, but it's still here. I believe, and, and I think you're going you're gonna to see this too as we kind of unpack what the Bible says about 
the miraculous. I believe that life with God, life lived with God, should be a supernatural life, should be a miraculous life, because God is a miracle-working God. And if we have relationship with him, connection to him, I think that our lives should have miracles as well happening, not every once in a while, but on a regular basis. And I think we need to be looking for him and exploring him and seeing him. And and we're going to start out in the book of Luke, uh, and we're going to look at the story of a couple who are just some ordinary people. Uh, They're a young couple, or they're they're an old couple, excuse me, they're an old couple, Uh, and they're coming on the scene just before Jesus comes on the scene. So we still haven't gotten to Jesus in the Christmas story. We'll get there. We haven't gotten there yet. This couple's on the scene, and it's not Mary and Joseph. We'll get to them in a few weeks. It's Mary's cousin Elizabeth and her husband, Zacharias. We'll call them Zach and Elizabeth, and Zach and Liz. And here's how their story, okay? Uh, Zach and Liz are this couple, and they prayed and prayed for a miracle. And they've wondered for years, is God going to do a miracle? And they prayed and prayed, and wondered and wondered, and prayed and prayed, and wondered and wondered, and they didn't see God working. They wondered where God was. If you've ever prayed for God to do something in your life, you felt like he didn't answer immediately, and you started to wonder, where is God in this? Why can't I find God in this? Why doesn't God seem to be moving? This story is for you. If you've ever prayed and prayed and prayed, and got to the end of your rope and thought, maybe I'm just done praying. Maybe I'm giving up. I will, I'll keep coming to church, but I don't know if I can fully trust God completely because I'm praying and he doesn't seem to be moving. This story is for you. And the story starts out like this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So uh, they are uh, faithful to God. They've got this relationship with God. They do what's right in God's eyes. They serve God. We find out uh, that they have this legacy of faith. Last week we talked about a family legacy. They've got a legacy of faith because they're in the line of the priests. So grandpa was priest, great-grandpa was priest, priests all the way through the family, all the way back to this guy Aaron that they talk about who was the first priest in the time of Moses. So way, way back in the past. They've got this legacy of faith. And it's not just a cultural thing where my parents are all believers. They actually were followers of God as well. Verse 7 says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So we've got this couple, old couple, legacy of faith, faithfully walking with God, giving everything to him, and praying for a miracle. And here's what I would say as I was reading the scripture— One of the things we have to do, and by the way, there's teaching notes in your programs, and they've got some of the scripture we're looking at. They've got some fill-in-the-blanks. Just a good way for you if you're tracking, if you're you like to write things or doodle or take notes, good thing for you. If we want God to do a miracle in our lives, then we need to have an intimate relationship with him. Because, see, everybody's a praying person when things get tough. I did college ministry for six years. Listen, prayer at Sonoma State shot through the roof during midterms and finals. Everybody was a praying person at midterms and finals. You couldn't keep people away from prayer meetings at finals time. But generally, God doesn't wait until the emergency and we say, oh God, I'm throwing up a prayer. Please hear it to answer. Generally, God operates and he moves as we're in relationship with him, as we get to know him, as we come face to face with him, as we follow him. And that's what this couple had done. They knew God. They were walking with him. They had this relationship with him. Verse 7 says, but, but. Why would the author say but? 
He says, but because the thing he's going to say next seems like it's something that should only happen, and the, the Jewish people believed it was something that would only happen to people who were evil, who had sinned in some way, who were distant from God. So he says they were good people, righteous people, loved God, but, but they could not have kids. And they were old. She was barren. And it seemed hopeless. And to be honest, it didn't get a whole lot worse than that in the ancient world. Not being able to have kids, not only was this disgrace, everyone thought, well, you must have sinned. They walk around saying, what did, what did Elizabeth do that God would curse her so she couldn't have kids? What did Zach do before he met Elizabeth that God would, would put this curse on him so he couldn't have kids? So not only was there this stigma around it, where everyone thought you must have done something wrong, and that's why you couldn't have kids, but there was no social security. There was family at that day. So to not have kids meant to not have stability as you grew old. To not have kids meant that no one was there to take care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself anymore. So there's this social stigma. There's the fact that they're now getting old and they have no one to take care of them. And they pray and pray and pray for a child, but month after month goes by. No pregnancy. Year after year after year, and all Elizabeth wants is a baby, and all Zach wants is a baby. No baby. And I think they began to question. They began to give up. They began to think, is God really going to do something in my life? And I wonder if any of us in this room, if we were totally honest with ourselves, if we've ever prayed and prayed and prayed for something and then just slowly began to give up, slowly faded into, well, it's just not meant to be. It's just not for me. Because they prayed and they didn't see a miracle. But then it all changes one day. In verse 8, we see this. Look, once when Zacharias' division was on duty— he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot, which is the way that they would choose people for certain things, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And this was probably something that was a huge honor for him. See, he only got called in a few times a year to serve as a priest because there were so many priests in that area at the time. He only got called in a few times a year. And probably only once or twice in his life would he ever get called in to burn this incense. And when it was time for the burning of the incense came— all the people assembled and they worshiped and they prayed outside of the building. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. He was terrified. And listen, you would be too, okay? Imagine waking up in the middle of the night tonight and you see me staring at you, okay? <laughs> Creepy, really weird. I don't care who it is. Imagine your puppy staring at you when you wake up in the middle of the night. Imagine your little cute little kid staring at you. It's startling. Now imagine Zacharias in this place that he's only supposed to be in, and an angel, an angel is standing next to him. He freaks out. He's terrified. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're going to call him John. Years and years and years of praying. And one day God hears years of seeking after God and wondering and wrestling and getting in this relationship with God where they're getting honest with him. And then all of a sudden, the angel says, God hears, and he's going to answer your prayer. And if we want God to do miracles in our lives, we cannot give up on praying. We just can't. We're going to be tempted to sometimes. When we're asking God to do great things in our lives, we're going to be tempted to give up sometimes, but we can't. And that's frustrating. 
If you're like me, you're an immediate culture kind of guy. You're a microwave kind of guy. We want everything quick. If it takes more than 10 minutes for God to answer a prayer, we're asking, where are you, God? Why'd you forget about me, God? But these guys waited and waited and waited and prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle. And as you ask about miracles, as we think about miracles, have you ever wondered, why does God do a miracle? What's the point of miracles? Why is he doing I think God does miracles because he wants to show us his love. He wants to draw us to himself. And part of that process is we need to come face to face with him. And that happens through prayer. See, miracles aren't about miracles for their own sake. Miracles are about us knowing God's love and his power and having this relationship with him that draws us closer. And he does a miracle and it draws us even closer And that happens when we slow down and pray. So I want to ask, where would you like to see God do a miracle in your life today? Because I said God does miracles all the time. Where do you want to see God do a miracle in your life today? In your job? Do you want to see God do a miracle in your job? How about your family? Your marriage with your kids? How about in your parenting? You want to see God do a miracle there? Some sort of relationship? How about financial stress? Do you want to see God do a miracle in your finances? Pray. Pray. How much time are we spending praying? If you're really honest, that thing that you really want, that you keep asking God for, the thing that I really want, how much time am I spending praying about it? Five minutes a day? Fifteen minutes a day? A half hour? I mean, let's not push it. We're Christians. We're not Christ. I mean, let's not get crazy. But like an hour a day? Five hours? How... How long should we pray? I'm not saying that once we we pray for a magical time limit, God just answers. That's not the way God works. But God wants this relationship to happen, and it happens through prayer. And so I want to ask, if you want a miracle, how much time are you spending praying? Really seeking God. See, in the relationship, that's when God, God moves. God draws us in. God calls us. We come into relationship. Back in the story, we're going to skip down a little bit. This is what the angel says about this miracle, this baby. He says, John, this boy that you're going to have, he's going to bring back many people out of Israel back to their God. Why did Zachariah and Elizabeth want to have a son? What was it? What was at the core? I think the core was they wanted to continue the legacy of faith that they had started. Remember, they're priests all the way down their line. They're priests, they're priests, they're priests. Being a priest was a huge honor. And I think they want to have a kid because they want to have another priest. They want to have another follower of God. Which got me thinking, why do we want miracles to happen really? Why do we want miracles to happen really? Have you ever stopped and asked that? Why do I want my marriage to get better really? Why do I want to get that job? Pause. Really? Do I want to get that job so I can have more money? So I can honor God so I can um, provide for my family more? I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong. I'm just saying we got to ask the question, why do I want that miracle? Really? If you're single, why do I want to get married? Really? Really? Because listen, it's more than that thing. I'm just saying. Why do I want to get married? Really? If you're in debt, why do you want to get out of debt? Really? Is it for God's glory? Is it for our glory? Why? 
See, God knows our heart. He knows the really, even if we don't admit it. And what I would say is, if we want to see God do miracles in our lives, we got to start being real with God and saying, God, I want this really for this reason. I really want that job for this reason. I really want this for this reason. God knows their hearts, and he gives them the desire of their heart. Because they were honest about what they wanted, really. And I love it. Zach gets the promise, and, and I love what he does next. I just, I think this is great. You're going to have to read some subtext in here. Uh, but this is what happens. Verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Dot, dot, dot. After this, Elizabeth became pregnant. And she remained in seclusion for five months. Now, there are two types of miracles that God does. He does passive miracles where we pray, and then we sit back, and God acts, and there's a miracle. That's a passive miracle. There's also active miracles where we pray, we look for ways to partner with God, we act in those ways, and then God does a miracle. That's what happens with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's an active miracle. Because Zechariah didn't just go home and say, well, the angel promised that we'd have a baby, so I'm just going to sit around See what happens. He went and did his part, if you know what I mean. He, he did, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't read it. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it, you know. He, he's active in the process of God's miracle. But I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but if you're like me, we think of miracles as like, well, God's going to do it. I'm just going to sit back, and God, you just do whatever you're going to do. I trust God. God's in control. Sometimes God says, I want to do a miracle, so get working. Get moving. Play your part. See, sometimes we have to play our part in God's miracles. I remember in my early 20s, I smoked half a pack of cigarettes a day, every day for about four years. And I can't tell you the amount of time I spent praying, God, heal me of my cigarette addiction. God, help me to stop smoking cigarettes. God, please, please, please break this addiction. Lord, I pray against every this, that, and the other for this addiction. The whole time having a pack of cigarettes in my pocket and a lighter in this pocket. You can't do it that way. It wasn't until I threw out the cigarettes, threw out the lighter, and then prayed, God, heal me of this addiction, that God healed me of my addiction. Sometimes God does miracles where we just sit back and watch, and God does all the work, and God is glorified in those processes. But oftentimes, God God does miracles when we say, God, what can I do to be part of the miracle-making process? You want your marriage to get better. Don't just sit back and pray, God, heal my marriage. Get into counseling. Put him first. Put her first. And watch God do a miracle. You want to get your dream job? Don't just pray for your dream job. Pray for your dream job. Get the education and get your dream job. Watch God do a miracle. You want to get out of debt? Set a budget. Take Financial Peace University. And watch God do a miracle. You want your kids to stop going crazy? Don't just pray for them every night. Take a parenting class. Learn how to parent and watch God do a miracle. You want to get in shape? January's coming, guys. Thanksgiving's over. You only have one more big holiday. Then you got to set your New Year's resolutions. You want to get in shape? Get on a diet. Work out. Watch God do a miracle. By the way, in January, we're starting this series that we're calling We Fit, which I think is going to be really fun. It's all about 
living healthy lifestyles that honor God with our bodies. It's going to be awesome. We got this cool stuff going out in the lobby. We got all sorts of fun stuff. I'm really excited. We fit coming in January. So as soon as you're done with Christmas, you can take part in God doing a miracle. Enough on that. But seriously, guys, seriously, let's stop sitting back and praying for God to do a miracle. Let's pray and let's act. And then here's the way the story wraps up. Elizabeth says this, the Lord, the Lord has done this for me. Now they took a part in it. They were active, but they glorified God. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among his people. God loves you. If, if you don't hear anything else, just hear this. God, God loves you. Not you and the collective. You. He loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to do a miracle in your life. Because he loves you, he does do miracles in your life every day. Sometimes we just don't see him, but God's always working. He's always moving. The fact that we're here, after however many years of life that we're here, it's an incredible gift, an incredible miracle from God. The question is, do we see it when he does miracles? And do we give him the glory for it? God's great desire for your life is that through the miracles he does, you get closer to him. I get closer to him. That we'd be looking with new eyes to see the things that God is doing all around us, to see the work he's doing, to watch the miracles. And when we watch the miracles and see the work that he's doing, that we would get closer and closer and closer to him. And that we'd be glorifying him because of it. And I love the way the story ends Elizabeth says, God has taken away my disgrace because he did a miracle for me. God took my disgrace and he replaced it with his grace because he's that good and he's that loving. He took away my pain and my sorrow and my hurt and he replaced it with joy and laughter and singing because he's that good and he's that loving. And God wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to take away areas of pain. Do you have any pain in your life right now? Any hurt? Any regret? Are you asking him for something big? Do you need him to do a miracle in your life, in your relationships, in your job, in your, uh, your parenting? Do you need a miracle? God wants to do one for you because he's good and because he loves you and because he's powerful and he can. And his proof of that is that he came to earth in the form of human person, fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross, but death couldn't hold him. He rose again. See, God is powerful. God raised Jesus from the dead, and anyone who can raise Jesus from the dead can take care of my junk and your junk, can do a miracle in my life and a miracle in your life. And when it happens, God gets the glory. When it happens, those around us, they see God working in our lives and they say, what's going on? And we can say, you know what? God is, he's on the move. He's doing something in my life. And so the question to ask ourselves today and as we go out this week, am I getting face-to-face with God? Am I getting honest with him? Am I getting real with him? When I want God to do something in my life, am I asking the honest question, why do I really want this in my life? Why do I really want God to do this thing for me? Am I looking for ways to be part of the miracle process? Am I not just praying and sitting back, but am I praying and actively looking to partner with God? And then the final question and the biggest question, do I really know 
the one who I'm asking the miracle of? Do I really know God? We sang that song a little while ago that said, God is with us. God is here. And I want you to know, if you're here tonight and you've never entered into a personal relationship with God, it's not because of him. He loves you, and he's here, and he's very present, and he's very real, and he's calling to you this Christmas season. He's saying, come back to me. Enter into a relationship with me. Start this journey with me today. And if you've never made that decision, I have good news for you. You could do that right now. You could enter into a personal relationship with God where he leads you and guides you on this journey. If you've never made that decision, now's the time. Now's the time. I'm going to pray in just a second. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to give you a chance to make literally the biggest decision of your life, a decision that would change every other decision from here on out, to enter into a relationship with your Creator, to have your sins forgiven, your past erased, and to come face to face with the one who made you and who loves you and who wants to do miraculous things in your life. If you've never made that decision, when I pray, you can just repeat that simple prayer after me. You can whisper it right where you're sitting or you can say it in your head. So why don't you join me? Let's pray together and then we'll continue on tonight. Lord, first off, I want to pray for everybody here because we all need a little miracle in our life this Christmas season. Some of us are coming in and we are feeling great and we're excited and we we're close to you. Some of us are feeling distant from you and burnt out and tired and can't even imagine going through another week starting tomorrow. Wherever we find ourselves, Lord, I ask that, not that you would do miracles, because I, I know you do them all the time, but that you, you would help us to see the miracles that you're doing. That you would reveal yourself to us, that you would help us to be drawn close to you, and, and that you would help us to trust you enough that we would take part in the miracle working process, that we would come with to you in prayer, that we would form this relationship, that we would, we would be vulnerable and honest with you. We would ask you for the things that we want and the things that we need, and then we'd take part in seeing you do incredible things. Would you do that, Lord, for each of my friends tonight and this week? And if you're here tonight as we continue to pray and you've never entered into a, a personal relationship with Jesus, not your parents' relationship or your spouse's or your kids', your relationship, a real relationship with your creator, with God who loves you. Then I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. And if you're here and at one point you were close to God, but you've wandered away from him, I'm going to give you a chance to come back. Because more than anything else, God wants you to know he loves you. He loves you so much that he gave everything for you. He couldn't love you more than he does right now. He's just saying, come to me. Let me fill you with my love. Let me fill you with my spirit. Let me work in your life. And so if you sense God calling you right now, you can pray this simple prayer. Just you either whisper it right where you're sitting or you can say it in your head. You can say this prayer, Lord Jesus, Lord, I believe that you came to earth. I believe that you lived a perfect life. And I believe that you died on a cross and somehow through your death on a cross, you took the penalty for my sin, for my destructive patterns and my habits and for the things that I've done that have caused pain. And then I believe you rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death and destruction. And today I say yes to you. Yes to your invitation and yes to enter into a relationship with you. So would you come and would you uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit? 
Would you forgive me of my sins, Lord? Would you cleanse me completely? And would you show me what it looks like to walk in relationship with you from here on out? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In your programs, there's a few things I want to highlight. You have connect cards in there. Uh, I want you to pull those out real quick, and you can fill that out as we continue on. Uh, And on the back of it, there's some ways to apply the things that we're talking about today. It says putting it into practice on the back of your card, and it's going to be up on the screen in just a second, but there are three ways that we can do that. One would be, if you're looking for a miracle right now, if you need God to do something in your life, uh, would be this. Go through the steps we just talked about. Take home your teaching notes and go through those steps and get honest with God. Get serious with God and watch God do some incredible miracles in your life. The other one would be, if you entered into a relationship with Jesus tonight, I want to know about it because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you a lot. And I want to connect with you and help you on this journey because the Bible says that when you become a follower of Jesus, we become a community, a family, and no one's alone in the family. So let us know if you made that decision. And if you're recommitting yourself to God today, say, you know what, God, I want to live for you completely. I maybe knew you at one point, but I've walked away from you. And today I'm recommitting to mark that on your card as well. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.